your Bible or your electronic device, lift it above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, come on everybody, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Daniel chapter number four, verses number 29. Um, we're at the end of a story um, about the dream, a dream that the king Nebuchadnezzar has. And the Bible declares 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, <laughs> a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. 32. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them, to, somebody shout, to anyone he wishes. 33 declares, immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Hmm. Hmm. Somebody shouted and it happened just like that. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity to minister the word of God to the people of God. Uh, forgive me, Jesus, where I've fallen short of your glory in any way, any form, any fashion. And I thank you for, for great mercy that you would send a warning, first of all, to myself. And you would be so gracious, God, to even warn this ministry of things that could come to pass if we don't shift our mindset as the called, the chosen men and women of God. So with great humility, I ministered this message concerning humility. Allow our hearts to be open to receive. Somebody shout, Lord, help me to receive. Help us to receive this word from you. And it is in Jesus' mighty name And everybody says. So I'm at an interesting place in my life right now. Um, very interesting place. I'm grateful for what the Lord is doing in my life. Um, I'm at a place where I see so many things that I've prayed for over the years just begin to manifest and come to pass, uh, both spiritually as well as naturally. And on my way to church here, and I just wasn't thinking about it this morning, but I've just been thinking about it for the past couple of weeks. Um, what's next for me, for Greg McGee? What's, what's next? God, what do you have for me next? Because there's been so many things that I spent countless hours in my prayer closet bombarding heaven, and the things that I spent countless hours talking to God about, he's finally manifesting. So what do I do with that time that I prayed for stuff that's now already here? 
And that brings me to an interesting transition in my life right now where I'm thinking about when I'm gone. Now, let me pause. I'm not suicidal, and I don't believe that the Lord is about to take me away from here. But a man, as I'm approaching my, my early, am I still in my early 40s? <laughs> as I am in my early 40s, I can't help but to think about, chat. there is coming a day Years from now, I pray where I'll close my eyes for the final time and what will be written on my tombstone um, as people visit my graves, what will be said about me at my homegoing service. And I don't want it to be said all the things that I accomplished and all the things that I did. The type of legacy that I would like to build is that through my life, other people's lives were better. Because I was the man of God that I was, people were built, people were strengthened, people, they grew in their relationship, they grew as, 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 as parents, they grew as leaders, they grew as business leaders. So I understand that if I want people to grow and I'm going to spend the rest of my life helping people grow, then by default, that means that I got to keep growing. Could somebody say amen to that? Because the only way that you can lead is that you got to be out front. Come on, somebody. You can't lead from behind the pack. You got to first know where you're going. So as I'm studying this subject of humility, I see in the scripture, Matthew chapter number 23, verses number 12, and I'm taking this to heart like never before. If I'm going to continue to be exalted... If, because I, I want to be used to help people up. I want to be used to lift people. So therefore, that means that Pastor McGee, if you're going to lift people, then you need to be lifted. If God's going to use you to exalt people, then you need to be exalted. And, and my key to exaltation, I see it in Matthew 23 and 12, where the Bible declares, for those who exalt themselves, what's going to happen to them, y'all? They're going to be humbled. But if you humble yourself, come on, somebody, by default... The Bible declares that he's going to exalt you. Now, this, this is messing with my mind. Let's, let's, go to, let's go to the business industry just for a moment. If I was an entrepreneur, which I am, I'm going to study the trends of my business. I'm going to study marketing, advertising. I'm going to make sure that my books are in order. I'm going to make sure that I have policies and procedure, hiring manuals, and all of these wonderful things that a business owner should have. But here is the wisdom. You can have all of these things, and if God don't blow on your business, you will still fail. So I've, I've been majoring, I, I just want to confess, but, but this whole message might be a confession. Y'all pray for your boy. I just want to confess that in certain areas of my life, I've been majoring in minor things and minoring in what ought to be major. If I'm going to be a business owner and I'm going to be successful and I want the breath of God to blow on my business, not only should I have the, the, the organizational chart in position, not only should I have a marketing strategy, not only should I have business plans, but at the foundation of my ministry before God or my business before God, it has to be a foundation of humility. Somebody shout humility. Because if I humble myself, even in my business, the scripture is applicable. Those who humble themselves, the Bible declares that God is going to do what, y'all? He's going to exalt them. And I'm telling you today that this particular scripture is applicable in every area of your life. Wherever you choose, and somebody shout, humility is a choice. Say it again, humility is a choice. Wherever you choose to humble yourself, God says that I am going to exalt you. So if this is true, the key to success in every area 
are not just the peripheral things that you've been investing in, but at the foundation of success for your life, Pastor McGee, you have to have the mentality of an humble man. So this is what I've been doing personally, and you have to do your own homework. I'm just going to share my homework assignment with you, and I pray that it's a blessing to you. I said to myself, Jeff, I posed the question, well, if humility is the key, what I need to do is look back over my life and see what pride has crept in. Because I'm going to be real transparent. Sister Yuka, I got the testimony, watch this, of being exalted in one area only to stumble back down again. Now, I know none of y'all have ever experienced anything like that in your health, in your finances, in relationship, where you finally reached a place where you're like, wow, I've made it only to hit. <laughs> so my, my thing is, I want to, watch this, maintain what God has allowed me to obtain. And I'm telling you today, there is a way for you to get ahead and never have to go to the end of the line again. Because if you don't pass the humility test, God will make you repeat the grade. So I looked at my own life and I said, okay, Pastor McGee, you got to do some homework, man. Because if, if, if God truly is getting ready to elevate you because he wants to use your life, your ministry to build, to lift, and to elevate others, look over your history and highlight things where, or situations where pride has crept in. Here's the first situation, and we talked about it last week. It's through my assumptions in relationships. There were times when I didn't have the right conversation with my wife. There were times when I didn't have the right conversation with members is because I had this arrogant assumption that I knew what they were thinking. After all, I am the pastor. I'm the man of God. God does speak to me. And if this thought came to mind, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that's where they are. Only to finally have a conversation to them and realize I was totally wrong and my pride was the thing that made me wrong and stay in my wrongness. Are y'all with me in this place? So not only has it happened in relationship with people, it's also happened in my relationship with God. Because I've seen God move in one area this particular way. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt without even praying that he was going to move the same way. Because watch this, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If he did it then, he's going to do it again. But watch this, God is the same, but his methods do change. He is the same, but how he's going to manifest it might shift, come on somebody, from one circumstance to the next. It's through my assumptions I've allowed pride to creep in, and I miss, I miss season of exaltation because of prideful, arrogant assumptions. So I'm digging a little bit deeper, and I don't know, this y'all, I pray y'all get something out of this message, but in reality, this message really was for Greg McGee. I just pray y'all glean some nuggets off of what God spoke to me. So I, I'm going a little bit deeper. I'm, I'm doing spiritual inventory. And I'm saying, okay, God, you got to help me. You got to help me. Where else in my life have I missed you because of pride? And what he spoke to me, I didn't want to receive it. This is what he spoke to me. Everybody shout false humility. False humility. Now watch this. When I say false humility, I don't mean phony humility because there's a distinction between the two. Phony humility is when you act in humble and you know you're not, okay? That, that ain't my issue. Phony humility ain't my issue. Phony humility is like, ooh, pastor, that sure was a good word. And you're like, well, you know, I don't know. The guy, I just got up there. 
But in the back of your mind, you're like, I killed it. <laughs> That's phony humility. That, ain't, that hadn't been my issue. But when I looked up the definition of false humility, it blew me away. And I said that that's you, Pastor McGee. False humility, if you're taking notes, jot this down. False humility is demonstrated when one becomes proud of their acts of humility. It's false humility. When you actually become proud of your actions of humility. Now, I'm going to take my time, and I'm just going to walk the floor and I, I need you to get this message that's coming out of my mouth on today. Somebody shout, it's going to make me better. I'm telling you it's going to make you better. In the book of Colossians, chapter number 2, verses number 16, the apostle Paul, the great man of God, writes a corrective letter slash rebuke to the people of God. And he encourages them with these words. He says, therefore... Do not let anyone judge you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't judge me. Don't, don't judge. Don't judge me. So don't let anybody judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. He says these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in, is found in Christ. So let's pause there for a second and pop. I'm thinking to myself, so who are these people that's judging them based on what they eat and what, what Jewish holidays that they celebrate and, and who they kick? Who are these individuals that are judging them? We pick up in verse number 18. He says, do not let anyone who delights in what, y'all? Individuals who are judging you are people who embrace a sense of false humility. He goes on to say, and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person, these type people, this is what they do. They go into great details about what they have seen, what they have experienced, what they have done in their past, and they judge the success of your life based on what they currently are doing. The Bible declares they are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They don't even know it. Verse number 19 declares they have lost connection with the head. They don't even understand. They think they operate in humility, but in all actuality, they're in pride. And whenever you're in pride, you lose connection with the head. 21, this is the attitude of the individuals that, that, that have this false sense of humility. 21, they'll say to you, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Don't do that because I don't do that. Don't go there because I don't go there. Don't taste that because I don't taste that. It's a sense of false humility. 22 says, these rules which have to do with things that are all de destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teaching. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. I'm ready to help somebody. With their self-imposed worship, it is false woo, humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Now, now watch this. I picked up this particular quote um, um, from uh, Peter Wagner. See Peter Wagner, his book on humility, and he's going to highlight uh, verses number 22 and verse, excuse me, verse number 18 and verse number 23. And he's going to say, watch this, put it on the screen. These two references to false humility are five verses apart. What is between the two of them? He answers four verses on legalism. In other words, the biblical definition of false humility is legalism. Now, let me give you the definition of legalism. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Legalism, my God today, 
is judging the worth or success of another based on your own personal strengths or adherence to rules. It's a sense of false humility. Thank you, Jesus. Judging the worth or success, God help me to explain this, of another based on your personal strengths or adherence to rules. Now, I need you to hear me out for a second, okay? How many know if you're going to have like a strict eating regiment and you actually adhere to that regiment for a long period of time, it takes humility to do that? Let me show you how and why. Because the opposite of humility is what, y'all? It's pride. Pride says... Oh, I can eat that. I can work it off later. <laughs> Let me tell you, my pride got the best of me like two weeks ago. Sure did. Man, I was doing good. I was eating right, had been eating right for, for about a month and a half, two months, doing what I'm supposed to do. And I went to a birthday party. And my wife's like, you going to eat that? Yep. <laughs> my pride said, I'll start over tomorrow. How many know it's been a week and a half and I still hadn't? So it takes great humility to have that type of discipline. This is how false humility kicks in. When you see somebody trying to achieve your success without doing it your way, you have a way of dogging them out, come on somebody, and shortcutting men mentally what they're going to achieve because they're not doing it the way that you're doing it. It's false humility. How many know that a consistent workout regimen takes great humility? Yes, it does, because what, what does pride say? Pride say, uh, I'm tired, I'll make it up tomorrow. I work out 30 minutes a day, I work out an hour tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and you don't even do the, not only don't you do the hour, you don't even do the. So it takes great humility to continue to submit yourself. Here is false humility is when you see somebody that's trying to do some type of exercise regimen and they're trying to get reach a certain body type or a certain look and mentally you dog them out or you judge them because they not, watch this, they're not making the same type of, type of sacrifices that you are. Hmm? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to talk about Corey since he ain't here. I'm going to talk about Crockett. <laughs> Me and Crockett started working out. Well, this was a couple of years ago. He quit and then I quit too. <laughs> we was working out. We were doing straight training, workout. And um, so I was, I was sharing him because I'm, I like running. I'm, I'm a real runner. But I was adding strength training and Corey was just doing the strength training. He wasn't, you know, doing any cardio. He wasn't walking. He wasn't running. He wasn't doing none of that kind of stuff. And so I'm on him hard. I'm like, Corey, my man, you got to do something. You got to run, man. He's like, Pastor, I don't like running though. Hey, man, man, you need to run. But I don't like running. I'm just on him and on him and on him. And I asked him, I asked him a question. You know, I thought I had him. I thought I had him. I said, Crockett, you don't want to do cardio. You just want to build muscle. You just want to build your biceps, triceps, all that kind of stuff. I said, what's the most important muscle in the body? He said, the heart. I said, right. So you got to do cardio. Because you won't achieve the success that you want without cardio. And then he looked at me and he said, 
Well, pastor, I'm a mailman that walk all of my right routes. I do cardio. <laughs> you know what I want to tell him? Shut up and get out of my house. I was so focused on him doing the same type of cardio that I do to reach the success that he say he wants to reach that my false humility, call it what it is, pride blinded me to see the cardio that he was doing. And I'm telling you, false humility is running rampant in the church. Had, had this one girl, she was dogging one of our members out because they, they, got this, they got this great program. And I won't name the program. If I did, you know exactly who I'm talking about. They have this great program of, of how they do evangelism and how they do outreach. And I absolutely love it. And, and the, the, the girl talked to one of our members. She was like, oh, y'all ain't got that. Y'all don't do it like that. Oh, I don't even know if y'all say, who was y'all pastor and he ain't doing it like that? As if there is only one way to do evangelism. It, as if there's only one way to do outreach. Watch this. She measured the totality of our ministry. Didn't even consider what we do to bless people, to do outreach, to sow into people. Didn't consider none of that. Are y'all with me in this place? She just looked at the one element that they do right. Come on, somebody. And judged all of us in here as if we wrong going to hell, missing out. And I'm telling you today, you got to be careful because you'll, you'll be tempted to do the same thing. Somebody shout, I'm strong in this. Say it again, I'm strong in this. One more time, I'm strong in this. Whatever area that you are strong in, you're graced in that particular area. And if you're not careful, if you're a prayer warrior, if you're one that's strong in fasting, if you're one that's strong in the study of the word, and that's my, that's my deal right there. I'm strong in the study of the word, and I've been guilty of this. I'm talking about I'm a student of the word of God. I have pastor friends who don't study like I study, but in my own mind, this is what I did to my friends. I judge the success of their ministry and their preaching simply based off, come on somebody, the fact that they don't study like I do, as if God just can't blow on their messages. Come on, y'all, let's be honest. How many preachers and reachers in here, you have studied and God showed up like you had been studying for months for that one message? Y'all with me in this place? False humility. I want to show you this in the text, and I'm going to get to where I'm going. Thank you, Jesus. The book of Daniel, chapter number four, verses number one. This is the king Nebuchadnezzar, and, and this is, he's actually telling his story. It's already happened. He's already fallen into pride. He's already been judged, but he's recounting the story. In Daniel chapter number four, verses number one, the Bible declares, King Nebuchadnezzar to the nations and people of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the most high God has performed for me. Three declares, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is, eternal, is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace contented and prosperous, had it going on. Verse number five declares, I had a dream that made me afraid. He called in all of his magicians, all of his astrologers, all of his wise men 
to give an interpretation of the dream that he just had because he said, it troubled me and it made me afraid. Daniel comes in on the scene and Daniel's getting ready to interpret the dream. So he says, King, tell me the dream and I'll pray for the interpretation. So here is the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has. Scripture declares, verse number 10 of chapter number 4, these are the visions I saw while lying in, my, in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the vision I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, my God, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruits. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. So again, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream of this enormous tree in the forest. This tree houses birds. They find shelter there. They build their nests there. Animals come under the tree for protection out of the elements from the rain, from the heat of the sun. And, and, and all of a sudden, an angel calls out, cut the tree down. When Daniel gives the interpretation, he says, O King Nebuchadnezzar, if this dream was only for one of your enemies, but the tree in the dream, sir, it is you. You have grown enormous. You have made, God has made you a, a provider for many, but something is getting ready to happen and he's getting ready to cut you down. So he's going to give him a warning in verse number 27 of what the king needs to do in order to, for, uh, uh, to forego this particular warning. And I, didn't, I, was, I was troubled why God was dealing with me the way he's dealing with me right now and, and, and the way I was feeling because I'm sure you asked me last night, are you ready? And I just said, yeah, but I was lying. I wasn't ready because I didn't know God, it's something in my spirit that feels a little bit different, come on somebody, than how I've been feeling for the past couple of months. And what I'm feeling today is a warning to the body of Christ at large, but specifically it's a warning for this house because I'm telling you, God is getting ready to make us enormous in the earth. I need you to hear me. Watch this. Watch this. We're getting ready to have a household name where, watch this, we're just not a church on the corner. If something happened to us, Pop, the Mississippi Gulf Coast would be missing something because of what God is getting ready to do in this church. Now hold your applause because I need you to hear me just for a moment. Where God, uh, can you say that, Pastor Me? Go ahead and say it. Where God is taking us. In all actuality, we're just a tree that's growing that has replaced another tree. I'm going to let that marinate in your spirit for a second. We are a tree that's replacing another tree that God has already cut down. So if God is in the business of both growing and cutting down, I need to know the tenets, his mind behind what he grows and what he cuts down. Because I want to remain in the favor of growing, come on somebody, and I don't want to be in the business of him cutting. Y'all going to look at me like that, but let's be transparent. How many denominations 50 years ago was the denomination to be a part of? 
How many ministries in the state of Mississippi, not the state of Mississippi, along the Mississippi Gulf Coast Pop 15 years ago, that was the, if you're going to be a part of a church, come on somebody, that was, if you was going to grow, if you was going to develop as an individual, that would be the pastor you need to sit under. That would be the church you would need to be a part of. And so many have grown and they have toppled down. And so, so, so you mean to tell me, Pastor McGee, God is getting ready to, in, to, 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 to position EMCC where we're going to be a oak tree. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about an enormous tree along the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Don't just show me the blessing, man, of God. Show me the warning because, again, I want to be able to maintain what he allows me to obtain. Elder Edwards, I see this church, hmm, generations from now, still planted as a mighty oak in this community. That's what I see as a pastor. I'm legacy planning right now. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm legacy planning. I'm looking at the next, I was, I was thinking about the next pastor of EMCC. I'm thinking about the next five pastors of EMCC. Lay a foundation, Pastor McGee, so that you can continue to be the mighty oak in this community that God wants you to be. If you don't lay the foundation, what's going to happen? You're going to be a one-hit wonder, and you're going to be one. It's going to be another pastor down the street, around the corner. Come on, somebody. That's going to be talking about their ministry. Come on, somebody. Getting ready to be raised up as a mighty oak because we was the tree that was cut down. The devil is a liar. So I want to know what is the... What's the tenets of God judging men that he's going to cut them down and he's going to raise them up? Because, again, I know, thank God, I just, just, mm, I wonder, can somebody just thank God for your failures of the past? Can you just thank God for your failures of the past? Just thank God for them. Real, real talk, real talk. Because you know what my failures of the past are helping me to do right now? It helps me to realize, first of all, that God is real and he don't play. <laughs> he don't play. But this is what is really helping me to see. I, I, w- I was up in here and I had a, uh, some scaffolding pop. I had some scaffolding. And um, uh, <laughs> let me stop lying. It wasn't a scaffold. <laughs> I had a 12-foot ladder and I was trying to reach this speaker right here. And I put folk. <laughs> it sounded, you know, professional scaffolding. <laughs> I had four crates right here. And I had a board. And then I had four crates right here and I had a board. Yeah. I reached it, though. (laughs) Yeah. How many know it's the difference from falling from this step versus falling from that step? Let me tell you something. The failures of your past, this is the reason that you need to thank God, because he allowed you to fall from. Your past fall was recoverable. So the little pride that I walked in, <laughs> I'm prophesying to you today what God wants to take you, that fall won't be recoverable. So each step of the rung that he takes me up, I'm majoring in what I should have been majoring in from the beginning, the lesson of humility. Because every step he takes me higher, 
I want to make sure, I, I'm saying it again, I want to, somebody shout, God help me to maintain what you allow me to obtain. Every step he takes me higher, I want to be able to balance and maintain what he allows me to obtain. Because again, falling from this step is recoverable. But where God, listen to me, people of God, where he wants to take you at. If you fall from there, the world will be saying, oh, how great was the fall. Because you don't get up and walk away from that type of fall. Help me, Jesus. So let, let, me, let me show you. So, so Daniel interprets the dream and he says, Nebuchadnezzar, you that tree. You that tree. God has made you enormous. Given shelter. You've been a provider. Because, but because there's something in your heart now, God's getting ready to cut the tree down. So here is the warning. Thank you, Jesus. That Daniel gives to the king. And, and I'm telling you, this, this is... This is like a warning message. This is a warning message because I'm taking you up because I need to take you up. He says to him in Daniel chapter number four, verse number 27, help me, Lord. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renou Somebody shout renounce. Okay, so renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness. So he says, Renounce sin, renounce wickedness, and do right. So what is he doing wrong? He shows us in the next phrase here. By being kind to the oppressed. I need you to, I need you to hear me. He says, this is, this is what's going on with you, King Nebuchadnezzar. You're actually being unkind to people that are under you. And so I'm thinking about that for a second. Yeah, I'm like, so what? What, what type of person sees somebody on a level below him and dogs him out for not being there? And, and I, I saw it in the, in, in the next couple of verses. The mentality of a man, a woman, a man of God that sees a, a brand new preacher or somebody that just got saved or, or somebody that just entered into some form or fashion of ministry that they've been in for a while and they dog them out. They oppress them. Who does that? Here, here's the attitude of the person. Mm. Daniel chapter number 4, verse number 29, verse 30. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? I'm, I want you to see this the way Nebuchadnezzar sees it. From my perspective, how many can easily see pride in there, right? You can easily see pride. But truthfully, it's not just pride, it's false humility. Because how many know, how, how many business owners in here, business owners, right? How difficult is it to build a business? Come on. I mean, did you just wake up one morning and say, oh, I got this idea. And the bank just gave you money. And customers just walk through the door. It's an act of humility to humble yourself, to do the work, knock on the doors, make the call, think through it, stay up sleepless nights trying to think about different strategies to make your business proper, uh, uh, prosper. It is a great act of humility. 
And whenever you have arrived at a certain level, watch this, because of the legwork that you see you've done, when you see other folk who hadn't done what you've done, it's easy for you to dog them, and it's called false humility. So the king has reached a level of status, and he understands that I worked hard for this. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. My daddy, I don't know if his daddy was a king or not. I don't know his lineage, but let's say his daddy wasn't a king. I had to kill somebody to be a king. And you trying to reach some level of prominence? You trying to do what? And you hadn't even considered all the things that I have done? There's false humility in the text. But this is what we know and what he should have known behind the scene. One more scripture and I'm gone. I'm gone. Thank you, Jesus. Daniel chapter number one, verse number one. This is how the, this is how the book of Daniel opens up. In the, in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. What does number two, verse number two declares? As mighty as you are, king, you didn't do nothing without the Lord. I know this is an area of strength for you. But the Lord delivered King Jehoiakim into your hands. So, Pastor, where are you going with this? Hmm. As I was meditating, first of all, I started seeing myself. And then I started because I, yeah, got some things, yeah. You need to do a little bit better there. You need to tweak that. Yep, because I want to master this humility thing. I, I want to master this humility thing. And then I started seeing false humility in the church. False humility. If, if we define false humility right, it's, it's, a legal, it's legalism. It's, it's legalism. Mm. And the type of false humility that I see in Nebuchadnezzar's life is the same type of false humility, but it's not physically as verbal. Okay. When, you, when you physically oppress somebody for not being where you are, you do things on purpose, physically, to put them down. But when you do it verbally, it's called gossip. Let me tell you, over the years, there's been a whole bunch of gossip in EMCC. Do you know what exaltation for EMCC looks like? It looks like God bringing a bunch of broken people in here and he healing the broken. That's what it looks like. He bringing a bunch of broken people. Here's our problem. We praying for God to bring the broken people, and we won't fix the ones that's already broke here. We dogging them. We talking about them. We gossiping. We whispering. And this is what, this is, give, give me that. This, this is gossip. Gossip. I, I want to help somebody. This is gossip. This is gossip. This is gossip. You talk about them, and you talk about them, and you talking about them. You talking about it. They didn't hear it, but they can feel it. They walk in the room and, what's that? Hey, they don't realize that the mess that you smell was the words that's been talked about you for the past week. And you, ooh, you even legalistic in your defense. Ain't nobody studying you and ain't nobody even saying nothing about you. You wasn't even in here. You shouldn't even know. In your mind, that's what you're saying. You shouldn't know because you didn't hear me. But words are spiritual. Words. 
words have spiritual power. Come on, somebody. And if it has spiritual power, that means it has influence in the spiritual realm. So I don't have to be there to feel mess that's being said about me. So what, what's, what's the root? What's the root of false humility? What does false humility say? False humility says, because you're not doing like I'm doing, there's, it's impossible for you to receive the type of results that I'm. And here's the, here's the issue. I mean, you just stop sleeping around. Come on now. You just put your herbs down. You, I mean, you just kind of got your life halfway together. And how is it you just got your life together and now you on a, you on a pedestal? Come on, somebody. Where you ready to teach a master's class on holiness and you just stopped sleeping around just a month ago. The devil is absolutely a liar. called false humility and it's manifesting itself in this ministry over the years through gossip where we got all these side conversations but I'm telling you the devil is absolutely a liar the devil is absolutely a liar thank you I heard pop thank you Jesus thank you Jesus let let me tell you this was a this was a word God gave me for a a ministry that I'm going to um to, to to minister for a moment but as I was back there pop I heard God say, this is applicable for your house as well. This is what God is getting ready to do for this house. God is getting ready to reset the credibility of the house, not the validity, credibility. Validity, we we valuable regardless. You understand? But in the eyes of other people because of a bunch of this, we've unnecessarily lost credibility. But God's getting ready to reestablish credibility of EMCC. You know how he's going to do it? Let me show you how he's going to do it. I heard God say, I was back there in the back walking around. He spoke this into my ear. Yeah. He says, in this house, I'm getting ready to make a distinction between the faithful and the unfaithful. It's going to be a difference in this house between the faithful and the unfaithful. Is my love going to change? Absolutely not. I'm just, the scripture is right. Watch this. Let the wheat and the tares grow together. God says, I'm going to do the separation. Don't you try to separate because you can't see the hearts of men. Don't you try to do it, Pastor McGee. Let them grow together, and you will see in just a moment that the wheats are going to be much more visible than the tares. What, the, the, wheat, the, the, the tares going to be much more visible than the wheat, and you'll know what to pick and what not to pick. So faithfulness, unfaithfulness, unfaithfulness in this house is not about attendance. I want you to be here, but the reality is that sometimes you can't be here. And then it's sometimes with your COVID self, I don't want you to be here. <laughs> Pastor, <coughs> I was around somebody with COVID, <coughs> but I feel all right. The devil is alive. Stay home. <laughs> Watch us online. Not about attendance. It ain't even about support. No, 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 no. It ain't about I helped. I helped. We had a little deal back then. I helped pastor do this. I helped first lady do this. And I helped them do this. I cleaned the church. It ain't even about that service. It's about how you speak about what you connected to. I guarantee, I guarantee you can't pay me $100,000 to curse my wife. There are no millions that you could give me to curse my wife can't do it. 
Watch this. Watch this. Watch this, though. Watch this. <laughs> I had been up. It was like 11.30, and it's like I was dog tired. And my wife could have got anything out of me while I was up before 11.30. But when 11.30, it's like my body said, go to sleep. <laughs> and I was at that place. And my wife said, ooh, I sure am thirsty. <laughs> and I told her, you sure going to be thirsty tonight. Because <laughs> I ain't getting out this bed. <laughs> I've been around you all evening. <laughs> all evening. Let me talk here. I don't need you to be here because I want to talk about you with your crazy self. So this is what I did the next day. This is what I did the next day. So I went outside the next day, Sister Yuka, and I got five bottles of water. And I put them on my stand, and I had planned to put them in my drawer because I was going to surprise you. Like, honey, I'm so thirsty. <laughs> the next night, she did it again. She said, honey, I'm thirsty. I looked over. And all five of them bottles of water had, were gone. <laughs> Guess what? You're going to be thirsty <laughs> another night. <laughs> now watch this. You can't judge my faithfulness to my wife because I decided I'm too tired. Nah, I ain't talking about that. can't judge my faithfulness. You know where you can judge my faithfulness? I will never say anything negative about my wife. You will never hear me publicly criticize her. You will never, ever, ever. You know why? Because I'm faithful. And there are some of you all concerning this ministry. Criticize me, you've criticized my wife, you've criticized the ministry, you put your tongue on what God has blessed. And God says in this house, there's going to be a difference between the faithful and the unfaithful. This is what I can understand, and this is the choice that some people made. Some people made a choice, if I can't say nothing good about it, I'd rather not be a part of it. And they left, and I respect them greatly for that. But it's a doggone shame when you choose to stay. You ain't got nothing to good, good to say about what you chose to stay in. If you're going to be here, build it with your tongue. Build it with your mouth. And if you can't say it positively, pray positively. King Nebuchadnezzar physically oppressed people and he used the foundation of false humility as energy to oppress people because I'm good here, because I'm strong here, and y'all are not. Put them down. Gossip is the same thing. You don't gossip about, about somebody's weaknesses when you're weak in that same area. You don't do that. No. You gossip about, about somebody's weakness in the area that you're strong in, and it's called 
verbal oppression. It's a form of hum false humility, which is pride. And I'm telling you, wherever there is pride, destruction is right around the corner. So I'm asking my gossipers to repent today. Stop in your tracks. Repent. As a pastor, one of the things that I've, I've tried to consistently be is approachable. And I know that's not always easy because no matter how approachable a person may try to be, sometimes there's a level of respect. You just won't say anything. But, but I've tried to be approachable. That even if you don't want to approach me about something, the last thing you want to do is talk bad about me. We don't want to do that. God says break up with gossip today. Repent from gossip today. Turn from gossip today. Because you might be talking about an area in somebody else's life as if they're so horrible. But what about, what about your life? What about your house? What about your marriage? What about your kids? What about your parents? See, at the cross is equal playing ground for everybody. Because everybody comes to the cross with their issues. Everybody comes with the cross. Nobody comes to the cross perfect. Nobody comes to the cross with it all together. And do you know why you stay at the cross? Because once you do get one area together, you only get a, that area together to find out, doggone, it's more areas. <laughs> it's like an onion. You peel off one layer and be like, I got it. Doggone it, it's a whole nother layer. And you just crying, <laughs> literally, <laughs> peeling off layers. And the more you peel off, the more you got crosses. I'm the pastor of this church. Can I, can I be honest? I'm the pastor not because I'm the holiest. I'm the pastor not because I'm the smartest. Chat will tell you point blankly that he's smarter than me. <laughs> he, and he has told me many times. Pastor, do you know why the Lord called me to be by your side? Because I'm pretty smart. You know what that means? I'm smarter than you. That's all that means. <laughs> I ain't the smartest. Watch this. I don't pray with the most anointing. There's some folk in here that pray me under a table. I don't prophesy the best. Mm -mm. Actually, I'm not even the best teacher in this house. I'm not. So, if God called me and chose me, outside of all the things that I think that I should be in order to have this position, who am I to finally embrace the position and be like, I'm, I'm better than you because I'm so special, God chose me. No. No. So if I'm going to walk in humility, I need everything that's connected in this house to embrace humility. If I'm going to reject false humility, I need everything in this house to reject false humility. If I'm going to, watch this, if I'm going to choose not to gossip at all, I'm going to choose not to gossip. 
Time for you to break up with gossip. Break up with it. Break up with it. If you got a problem with somebody in this house, pray about a time and a way to connect with them so you can get it right or at least come to some type of understanding. I do know some things that it's just hard to get right, and so we have to just agree that we disagree. I made some choices with some folk like that in here. I disagree that I disagree, and it's okay. So we'll talk about everything else. When we talk about this right here, I already know where you stand, so we ain't no need to fight about that. I agree we disagree, and I love you anyway. We all receive this word on today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not calling you to the front. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but you know who you are. You know who you are. You're the individual in here. From time to time, you entertain mess and gossip. But you just don't do it here. You do it at work, too. You do it amongst your family, too. (laughs) Yo. Yo. You don't even know it. You're the reason why certain co-workers will never come here and their deliverance is here. You've been the reason why certain family might never come. But that ends today. Father, now in Jesus' name, God, I want to thank you for this word of correction, even rebuke. Because it's the key to exaltation is humility then pride in any form, it has to go. Whether it's blatant, plain, arrogance, or whether it's rooted in false humility, where I think of myself better than others because of my acts of humility that I demonstrate. God, we're all equal at the cross. And God, there's been some who have manifested false humility through their gossip, they hadn't physically oppressed, but they've become a verbal, verbal oppressor. The character, the integrity of others. That's not right. Because we're called to lift. We're called to love. We're called to encourage. We're called to bless. You didn't call me to curse my brother or my sister. So, Father.